Start selling on Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash CNN for a $1 per month trial. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the CNN political briefing. Here's what you need to know in politics for Tuesday, June 6th. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is throwing some cold water on a new proposed aid package for Ukraine while the country prepares for a counteroffensive against Russia. Ukraine's largest reservoir has collapsed in Russian-occupied Ukraine, prompting evacuations as floodwaters are on the rise. Now, there is a lot we still do not know about this situation. Both Ukraine and Russia are accusing each other of deliberately breaching the dam, though a European ambassador in Washington said officials are leaning toward the idea that Russia is the culprit here. A CNN analysis of satellite imagery reveals the Novokakovka Dam was damaged just days before it totally collapsed. But CNN cannot independently verify whether that played a part in the collapse or whether it was destroyed in a deliberate attack. The Ukrainian governor of the Kherson region said today that more than 1,300 people have been evacuated from the flooded areas. National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications at the White House, John Kirby, said this afternoon that the U.S. is assessing whether or not Russia is the responsible party here, but couldn't definitively assign blame just yet. What is clear and what we absolutely can say is that the damage to the Ukrainian people and to the region will be significant. In addition to loss of life and livelihoods, Uh, its destruction could very well have a devastating impact on Ukraine's energy security. Russia's unprovoked war on Ukraine has had a devastating impact on the Ukrainian people and brought terrible suffering uh, to them. A spokesperson for the Kremlin told reporters that he believes the collapse was due to deliberate sabotage by Ukraine. Andrei Zagoryadnuk is Ukraine's former defense minister and a current government advisor. I mean, there is absolutely no point for Ukraine to do uh, anything like that. And uh, for us, it's been shocking that, you know, that 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 happened. Uh, Then it was shocking how cynically Russia is blaming us. And then, to be honest, it was pretty shocking how many news and media picked up this and uh, started to call it a blame game. I mean, for us, it's 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 really difficult because it's a it's ecological catastrophe in Ukraine. There's lots of houses, uh, people, I mean, without homes and, and so on. And it's just impossible for anyone who knows Ukrainian policy and Ukrainian people. It's just absolutely impossible to think that we can do this with our own population. Now, this devastating collapse comes as Ukraine is gearing up for a widely anticipated counteroffensive. Officials in the U.S. and the rest of the West are seeing signs that the country's counteroffensive against Russia might finally be off the ground. A senior NATO official said today that there's been, quote, substantial increase in fighting over the last 48 hours. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, spoke to CNN in an exclusive interview this week, expressing optimism for how Ukraine has prepared for the offensive, but also cautioning that it's too early to tell what the results of this counteroffensive might be. Milley spoke with CNN in Normandy, where he's commemorating the 79th anniversary of D-Day. I think it's too early to tell uh, what outcomes are going to happen. I think the Ukrainians are very well prepared, as you know very well, the United States and other allied countries in Europe and and really around the world have provided training and ammunition and advice 
uh, intelligence, et cetera, to the Ukrainians. We're supporting them. Uh, they're in a, a war that's an existential threat for the very survival of Ukraine. Uh, and it has greater meaning to the rest of the world, uh, for, for Europe, uh, really for the United States, uh, but also for, for, for the globe. This counteroffensive has been widely expected to start this spring. Russia has already started to say it has repelled what it calls a, quote, large-scale offensive in southern Donetsk, but hasn't backed up that claim with any actual evidence. For its part, the U.S. and its allies have been arming and preparing Ukraine for months, most recently by training Ukrainian pilots on F-16 fighter jets. So that is the context of what is happening over in the region, while here at home, there is a new political complicated twist to how much financial aid will be forthcoming from the United States in this effort. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, fresh off his debt limit deal with the president, is not for a new separate spending package for Ukraine. McCarthy said today he believes there's enough money for Ukraine under the budget caps set by the agreement, and lawmakers should worry about appropriations at this point, not a new separate supplemental for Ukraine. This is the most money we've ever spent on defense. This is the most money anyone in the world has ever spent on defense. So I don't think the first answer is to do a supplemental. By staking out this position, McCarthy is rejecting calls from some even in his own party. There are those Senate and House Republicans who are looking for more money for the Pentagon and for Ukraine to make sure that Ukraine can be successful in this effort against Russia and keep this from escalating in a way that would pose an even greater risk to American national security. And the lawmakers calling for that additional spending are looking to go above and beyond the defense spending levels set by the new debt limit deal, which are set at $886 billion for fiscal year 2024. Congressman Steve Womack, a senior member of the House Appropriations Committee, is one of those Republican members who are concerned about the level of defense spending included in the debt limit deal. Here's what he told my colleague Manu Raju earlier today. And quite frankly, I think that using a defense number that uh, does not even keep pace with inflation uh, is a step backward. Uh, and I think it it sends a message that we're not serious. Uh, I voted for it, uh, but at the end of the day, I think we have to do what it takes to make sure that we are properly resourcing the Pentagon uh, to meet the, uh, the, the threats that we know today and those that uh, could be around the corner. This comes after McCarthy said yesterday that criticism like that is, quote, part of the problem. And that lawmakers, quote, need to get the efficiencies in the Pentagon so money isn't wasted. For its part, the Biden administration continues to reassure its allies and Ukraine that it will do what it can to support Ukraine as the war grinds on. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was in France today commemorating the 79th anniversary of D-Day when thousands stormed the beaches of Normandy to fight for freedom in World War II. The parallels with the war in Ukraine and D-Day have appeared again and again in speeches and comments commemorating the anniversary. Many compare the same struggle of freedom against occupation in Europe then to Kyiv's fight against Russia's invasion now. Secretary Austin was one of them. We still seek a world where aggression is a sin. We seek a world where civilians are safe from the ravages of war where sovereignty and territorial integrity are respected. If the troops of the world's democracy could risk their lives for freedom then, surely the citizens of the world's democracy 
can risk our comfort for freedom now. In his re-election campaign over the next year and a half, President Biden is very likely to put his support for Ukraine and his quest to rally the West in Ukraine's defense front and center of what he believes to be his successes that he sells to the American public as a point in his argument for re-election. Now, of course, if he ends up facing either of the two current leading candidates on the Republican side, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, there will be quite a contrast since both of those candidates have expressed skepticism about how much this effort should be in place and how much American involvement should continue there. Trump refuses to say if he wants to see Ukraine win this effort. And as you know, he has said that if he was president, he could end the war in 24 hours without providing a scintilla of evidence of how he would go about doing that. DeSantis, you recall, got a lot of heat back in March when he said that the U.S. support for Ukraine is not a, quote, vital national interest. And we don't want to get stuck in a, quote, territorial dispute between Ukraine and Russia. Obviously, other Republicans running like Nikki Haley or Mike Pence have very different views and have been arguing that it is far better for America's national security to make sure that Russia does not win this war. Of course, the domestic political positioning on this issue will likely shift if the facts on the battleground shift as well. That's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. We'll talk to you tomorrow.